What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Never Made Varsity. My name is Colby. You can find me on Twitter at Colby Complains. Hello there, friends. It's us again. Me particularly. I'm Maverick. You can find me on social media at heartbreak underscore underscore kid. It's Aaron. Per usual, I don't have anything interesting to say. And you can find me on Twitter at Aaron P. Friedman. That's a great way to start a podcast. Hey, I mean, guys, I'm not interested. <laughs> y'all always come up with, like, funny things, and then I try, and y'all are like, what are you doing? <laughs> so here we you are. got to be ready. Even though I didn't have anything this week, and, like, I thought for, like, 30 seconds and gave up, so. Uh, David's not here. He is visiting his, I almost said girlfriend, his fiance. Um... But he's not back yet, and he told us to go on without him. So here we are honoring his wishes. My heart will go on. He is with us in spirit. (laughs) How were y'all's weeks? Aaron, talk, please. It was. That's why I call on y'all now. uh, I don't know. It was tiring. Like, on Monday, I felt like I was like, it's going to be one of these weeks. But it was fine. The week went by. I survived. And then I went to the game on Friday with band, which going with band was fun. Yeah. And that inset sentence, Maverick, how was your week? Work week was rough. But then this weekend, despite the game being on Friday, I actually went down on Saturday to Durham to deep. It was my first time at Deepak. I went to a comedy stand up there. Uh, It was a really great time. Just got back in this morning. I was in North Myrtle Beach this week. Dirty Myrtle. A slightly cleaner Myrtle. It was a nice little trip. I enjoyed myself. Like it was Monday through Friday. On Tuesday we went to Top Golf, which was half off. Ooh. And we went in the morning, so it was like twelve fifty for an hour. Wow, that's a really good value. Right? So we did that on Wednesday. We went out to eat on Thursday. We went to the Dublin Winery in Myrtle Beach for a $5 wine tasting. And yeah, it was a good time. I would like to do that exact trip all over again. I don't care how much people hate on Myrtle. I love Myrtle. It's stuff to do. It's fun. I've never been. You should go. Get some friends. I used to go to Ocean Lakes all the time. Have you, have you been? Have you driven by that before in South? Sounds familiar. It's one of the bigger campgrounds that's on the beach side. Good times. All the crab legs and calabashes. So that, many calabashes. What's a calabash? The, I don't know. It sounds cool though. <laughs> Gets the people going. Uh, Calabash is, huh, an evergreen tropical American tree which bears fruit in the form of large woody gourds. Well, there you have it. Interesting. We're all learning things on this pod. Oh, I forgot to bring it up, but last week my cousin and his fiance and my older brother visited for the Miami game, and my cousin's fiance went to Tulane for undergrad, and she a couple times was like, Something, something, something in the hullabaloo. And I thought of y'all from one of our early days episodes. It's pronounced too long. Is it really? It's like croissant. 
Okay. So <laughs> we um, also a better answer on Calabash. Uh, Calabash, North Carolina, a small fishing town, prides itself as the seafood capital of the world because of the town's Calabash-style seafood restaurants. And it is part of the Myrtle Beach metropolitan area. So there we go. Is that a satisfactory answer, Aaron? Yes, sure. <laughs> Thanks. Let's talk about football. Uh, I um, let's talk. Okay, let's start with uh, UNC, Car- Carolina football, Tar Heel football. They lose eighteen to twenty-four to Wake Forest after what could only be described as an anemic first half. Really, first two and a half quarters. Um, and then a little too little too late towards the end of the game trying to get something going. Was it 18-24 or 18-21? No, it was 24. It kicked the field goal at the end. Yeah. So, Aaron, what was it like at the game? There were uh, surprisingly like a ton of Carolina fans that were at the game. Um, I thought that Carolina fans had, like, a great energy about us for the majority of the game, which was a lot of fun for a road game. The team didn't seem to remember how to play football for the first three quarters. But we made a nice fourth quarter run. It was, from what I could see, one, the Carolina side of the field was, like, almost entirely blue, which is cool. Yeah, other than, it's, like, the Wake student section, it seemed like it was majority Carolina fans at the game. I, I would not be surprised if there are more Carolina fans in Winston-Salem than Wake Forest people. But, I mean, the first three quarters were just bad. Uh, Sam Howell had to be benched at some po- at a point in the, sec- in the first half in the second quarter. Because we had literally not had a first down up until that part of the game where Jace Reeder uh, ran for a first down. It just seemed like... But then we get to the fourth quarter and we are running like plays where a good amount of time the wide receivers are running wide open. So I'm like, where is this play calling in the beginning part of the game? It feels like in all of the game, maybe not so much South Carolina, it feels like the team goes, or at least the offense goes to sleep for periods of the game. Yeah, I agree with that. And it seems like from a play calling perspective, they're just keeping us limited until we do something right. And then we act like we explode. Like, until we got that first down, it seemed like Sam Howell was playing scared and the offensive play calling was scared. Yeah, I agree with that. Maverick, what did you see with this game? So, for the vast majority of it, I was actually working Friday night being an adult. And so, I did catch the last two minutes or so in my car. I meant to turn on radio and listen to Jones on the call. So I actually got on after they hit the field goal. So I like that last two minutes or so. And so listening from that. So I was trying to, to keep in touch over the game. I was on break when Javante fumbled. And so that was the last thing I'd heard going before finishing my shift for the night. So I was not in good spirits, probably heading back to work. And so 
it was great to hear that we had come back and were marching down the field, but then we get to the la- the crucial final moments that well, I'm sure we will touch on in a brief moment. But yeah, overall, it seemed like also our defense was just struggling with the delayed options on Wake's offense. Sage Surratt played exactly how we expected him to play. He's a heck of a player. And so there was just a lot of moving pieces that caused us to hopefully get our first loss. And the only thing I can hope is that it does provide a nice learning lesson. Because the good thing is, is that, I mean, the team fought like hell. And there are plenty teachable. This is one of those where it's not where you just lose all hope. It's easily teachable on Matt Brown's side and on the coaching side. Yeah. For the first three quarters of the game, it seemed eerily like the Virginia Tech game from three years ago, the hurricane game where we came off two huge wins and then just got completely deflated during the game. But the fourth quarter was encouraging. It, I'm trying to figure out how I want to say it. Wake Forest played a hell of a game. Wake Forest like absolutely went out and they destroyed us in the first half. And that was enough of a lead for even if they didn't score for the rest of the game, they would have, they would have won. So like hats off to them. Sage Surratt had like 150 yards in the first half, which is just incredible. That being said, our defense did like played very well for as as well as Wake Forest played, like if we don't, if we take away the Javante Williams fumble um, deep in our own territory, which pretty much gifted them a touchdown, we hold them to 14 points. The defense played well. The offense needs to be better for those stretches I talked about. Let's talk about the end of the game. What did, what was it like in the stadium? Aaron, I, you know how there are those times where something happens in a game and you're just like, what? And you, that's all that you can, that's the only reaction that you have to it. It was like one of those moments. Like I was just too confused to feel angry about what happened. And, uh, I was not, (laughs) go ahead. I don't know. I mean, I was confused at how they didn't review the play. I was confused at why we didn't step out of bounds earlier. I was confused as to why we didn't get forward progress ruled earlier. I just had so many questions going through my head at one time. It was just a lot happening. And I hope it doesn't turn into a trend of late game situations being kind of bungled. Because, uh, you, I, I keep thinking about the South Carolina game where we knelt on fourth down, which I don't quite understand the reasoning behind that. I the thing with the call, like the the refs and the referee side of it, their forward progress. Even okay, let's say that the forward progress is the call, right? Even like. By the time the ref was, like, about to blow his whistle, after Forward Progress was stopped, I keep wanting to call him TJ Logan, (laughs) Michael (laughs) Carter was standing out of bounds. So, there's, like, he should have blown, the referee that was standing right there should have blown his whistle, like, two or three seconds before 
Michael Carter stepped out of bounds, which would have given us enough time, which if they would have looked at it like they were supposed to, to get a play called and line up and snap the ball as soon as the referee wound the clock. Would we have scored a touchdown? Probably not. But it's another thing like the offsides that never was that I, I wish we would have gotten the chance. But that's where I stand on it. Uh, Carolina yeah. again loses 18-24. I, it's, it feels like the Clemson game from four years ago, the ACC championship, where it's like, in all likelihood, would we have won? Probably not, but we would have had a shot at it. Carolina loses. They go to 2-1 and one on the season. Still 1-0 in conference play, though. <laughs> um, shout out to um, Wake Forest for scheduling that non-conference game. So David mentioned, like, the big four, like, I don't know, invitational, let's call it for football, uh, where he said that, like, we should play – Wake Forest. There should be like a Carolina Wake Forest Duke State doubleheader every year. How do y'all feel about that? I think it would be fun. I don't think a doubleheader is feasible. But like maybe uh, like on Labor Day weekend doing something like that. Like how last year or the year before the Chick-fil-A kickoff had like a three-day event. Something like that. I think it would be fun. Because as it is now, we only play Wake in conference once every six years. I'm pretty sure. That's why we scheduled them Something out of like conference that. this year and two years from now. Because we were like, they're one of the big four teams in North Carolina. Why do we never play them? Especially because they're in the ACC. Um, I think that it would make... Uh, are Duke and State the same way where they don't regularly play? Or... Are, yeah. Yeah, because State's designated right, like cross division rival is us. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, I mean, I think it would be cool if we did that. If the four schools did it every year, because otherwise Duke and State don't regularly play, and us and Wake we don't regularly play. I think it would be cool. Would it be at a neutral site, or would it be like rotating? Every year, put them in the um, the baseball stadium in Greensboro. Have an infield in there. Make it fun. <laughs> Even better, put it in War Memorial Coliseum in Greensboro, which is a joke only for the people that are from Greensboro who <laughs> listen to this podcast. Um, Maverick, what do you think? In theory, I think it sounds like a great idea. Honestly, um, I mean, you think about. You know, just getting the rivals together for a nice day of football. But I think there can be some logistical issues that can arise in that as well. I mean, it would definitely need to be on a turf field, I would say, especially if, if you're doing, doing back-to-back. Yeah. Uh, because if it's on a grass field, it's going to tear it to pieces. I think you made that comment, Colby. Um, it, it could just end up being a very long day if it ends up being hot or rainy. I can see some not having great attendance or people leaving early or stuff. Now, I think a thing that could be cool is making somewhat of a battle of the bands between the four, like us, Wake Forest, Duke, and State. Just some way to introduce even more stuff with it. Hmm. Yeah, I think a a four-way battle of the bands would be cooler than football. 
Screw the sports. Let the bands perform. I guess I can say this since I'm not in the band anymore. Do we want to fraternize with Duke and State's band? Uh, State's band's fine. I have friends in State's band. (laughs) Do we really want to fraternize with Duke's band? We met them in the tunnel before the game against them in the ACC tournament, and they were really nice. We were like, it was a little awkward, but they were nice. I've had a mix of experiences with Duke's band. Well, also, you've just had a mix of experiences at Duke games. Listen. Uh, If I I remember uh, two ACC tournaments ago. Anyone can get these hands. (laughs) That was the closest I've ever seen you to fighting somebody. Hey. (laughs) And and valid. Completely valid. For those who don't know, someone threw beer at Colby when we beat Duke. Hey. Anyone can get these hands at any time. I stay ready. (laughs) (laughs) Don't start nothing. Won't be nothing. But uh, let's move on from Carolina. Let's talk about how the ACC is bad. Uh, Not a great week for ACC football. Uh, Georgia Tech loses to the Citadel, uh, which is hilarious because they run a triple option. And... It just, that entire game, I don't know if y'all caught any of it, was just a cluster, especially towards the end. For touchdowns that never happened and very poorly missed field goals, it was just bad. Uh, Boston College got the belt from Kansas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Les Miles is back. Les Miles is back, yeah. Uh, Doesn't have the ring like Mac, but still works. Pitt loses to Penn State. Uh, North Carolina State loses to a not good West Virginia team. Furman hung with Virginia Tech for way too long. It just it was not a good week for the ACC. So, is the ACC as bad as the Pac-12 was last year? I don't know if it's if it might be a little. I think it seems like there's a season where. Almost all the conferences kind of suck. The SEC has not been too hot either, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. You, I mean, you look at Tennessee. Um, they, I mean, they have their bottom feeder teams like Vanderbilt and things like that. But all, all the good teams like Ole Miss has suffered, things like that as well. So, and I mean, the Pac-12 is the Pac-12. Um, and South Carolina lost to a very bad North Carolina team. So, <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it was nice of the Titans to invite the um, Tennessee University of Tennessee football team onto the field before the game. Yeah. Week. Yeah, the dumpster um, fire. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. I don't know. It was just I, I saw that going around on the Internet, and I think it was just a, a weirdly anomalous bad week for the ACC. I don't think the ACC is, like, particularly bad, but I do think – there's like Clemson at the top and then there is Virginia and Wake Forest. And after that, it's a whole bunch of the same team. (laughs) Duke and Louisville and state and Carolina and Virginia tech and Florida state and Miami. It's all the same team. So 
I don't know. We're some weird stuff is going to happen in the ACC this year. But like we were talking about before the show, that probably opens up a window for us to win some games we didn't think we would be that competitive in this year. For Carolina, at least. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that about... we have we have a comparatively hard schedule to some other teams in the ACC, but in a weak ACC, it means that even hard games are still winnable. Right. So Carolina takes on Appalachian State next week. The Mountaineers, they really want to win. <laughs> they do. I can attest to this. My high school, one of my high school geometry teachers who is football coach from my high school is an App State football alum, and um, we've been jawing back and forth for the past couple of weeks now. He's actually going to the game on his coach's pass, so I'll have to talk to him. But I mean, this is a long time coming. When's the last have we ever played App State? Or it's been a long time if it has. It's we had to have, but it's it's been a while. I don't remember the in last the modern time era, like yeah. after App State's prominence. I don't believe we've ever fought. I just, what did we do to all of these schools <laughs> that they all hate us so much? We overlooked their three-star <laughs> players, and so they went to the other in-state schools. Oh, boo And now they want to kick our butt because we <laughs> overlooked them. But now we have Matt Brown who's going to be getting those players, so hopefully that should stop happening in the next few years. I just feel like it's that meme with like the the woman yelling and this cat trying to eat a salad. <laughs> it's just like we didn't do anything. We're just sitting here, and all these teams hate us. But Appalachian State, uh, their head coach that they have been winning with the past couple years, Scott Satterfield, uh, has moved on to Louisville. Um, so they do not look as good as they have in years past. I believe still they haven't lost a game yet. Is that right? That's correct. But it is to say that these games are not like the App State games of the past is an understatement. Uh, They let UNC Charlotte score 41 on them this week. So there's an opportunity for points if we want them, but we were kind of thinking the same thing um, against Wake Forest this week as they let Utah State score an uh, obnoxious amount of points on them last week. But we will see. Uh, Aaron, th- what are you thinking? Or Maverick, since you're about to go. Um, well, I was just saying, I think the home crowd really will help things out. Like I said, and compared to Wake Forest, we're going to have a very strong contingent behind ourselves. I'm sure there'll be a decent amount of App State fans that just live in North Carolina that's going to make it easier for them to travel towards us. Um, I think that's hopefully going to help be another positive factor that can help create the win. Another reason why they hate us is their coach was just was hired from state staff. So no love lost there. I mean, I think that all, all the schools hate us because – we're the us. where yeah exactly we're the school in North Carolina. I that's something that I noticed coming here that is really unique compared to a lot of other states in the country, especially in the Midwest. In the Midwest, most school most countries you have like you've got Michigan and Michigan State, you've got Iowa and Iowa State, 
and like that's it. You have like two major schools in the state. Whereas in North Carolina, you've got the big four, and you have ECU, and you have App, and I guess you have Charlotte, like, and you got UNCG. You have a lot of like real schools. And honestly, you could cheer for both App and one of the big four because App used to be in a, a lower yeah, like yeah, level exactly. of football. So, but so like, like they all hate us. Being because from Asheville and two hours away from Boone, like App was the team to cheer for because especially when they went. Uh, three peat for FCS national championships. Like they were definitely the team to cheer for. Yeah. But like, so they all hate us because it's like a common enemy. They all hate us because of basketball, because up until the last 20 years, there was no contest. Like obviously now Duke, but like historically everyone hates us. And so it translates to football as well. Yeah. I wonder but, like, I feel like Florida doesn't get the same kind of – I mean, I'm not from Florida, so I don't know. But I feel like Florida doesn't get the same vibe that Carolina does, even though they have Miami and Florida State Yeah, well, I think, I think that's because – well, UCF wasn't a thing until two, three years ago. But, like, Florida, Florida State, Miami have all always hated each other. Fair. And up until – recent like UCF is now the maybe the second best team probably the second best team in Florida but before that it wasn't like North Carolina where you had four teams and other teams that were also like something like UCF USF FAU FIU none of them were really anything I would say that they were a similar tier to the the everyone else in North Carolina, but I think it's because the four, the th- big three in Florida are so much more dominant. Whereas in North Carolina, the big four are all still not like nationally prominent. But I, I will say, I bet I think there's a similar vibe towards Texas as there is as Carolina. Yeah, I would agree with that. With A and M, Texas Tech. Um, recently Houston. Yeah, I think that's fair. And like in Ohio, a lot of people hate Ohio State, but it's not like if you go to OU or if you go to Cincy, you hate Ohio State. Like those people by and large still root for Ohio State unless they're playing that school. It's a different vibe. I, I hadn't really thought about it before. And that's why you're on the podcast. Um, but speaking of Florida, uh, Felipe Franks, uh, I don't know if y'all saw the injury that he had, um, Florida's quarterback, but I think he is out for the year. I want to say they already said that he dislocated his ankle. Yeah, it did not look good. You know, when Um, they say apparent injury in the bleacher report, you know, it's bad. Yeah, it was, um, they did not show a replay of the, um, of the injury after it happened. So it was one of those. Uh, so, but the one that we did see replays incessantly of was what's his name on Mississippi state getting that Xbox spin. Oh God. (laughs) I watched that live. That was, um, that was fun. (laughs) He laid it all out for the team. 
And he didn't even get the first down. <laughs> and he didn't get the first down. That's unfortunate. All right. Let's move on to the NFL. Uh, the Panthers played on Thursday, and it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, like I don't want to catastrophize, but our season's over. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Like, I... I think y'all should cut Cam. Just cut him loose. Oh, my God. There, I don't see how we recover from this 0-2. I, I don't. Because I, I, all the things that we were worried about are happening. Like, our, this entire season, my whole 11 wins two weeks ago was, like, contingent on Cam being healthy. Something's wrong. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's his shoulder. I don't know if it's his foot. Something's not right. And you can tell because as of right now, Philip Rivers has more rushing first downs than Cam Newton. Like, something's Yikes. not right. And I don't, after watching All or Nothing, I do not trust his coaching staff to manage his injury effectively. So, I don't know. David has takes. I asked him, uh, what we should do. And he said, wipe the coaching staff, put Cam on injury reserve and tank for a decent pick. Uh, O-line is atrocious and Cam doesn't look healthy. Uh, Our left tackle. So since Jordan Gross retired, however many years ago, it's been like a revolving door at left tackle. Just people coming in and people getting ran by on the left side. It's been like that for years. Even when we were 15-1, and one, like, Michael Ower is the reason we lost that Super Bowl. It was, just, like, that entire game was just Von Miller coming off the left side. It was, it's, at this point, it's irresponsible for us not to have something at left tackle that has resembled professional football in, like, the past five or six years. And, like, the entire offense was bad. Cam was bad bad the o-line was bad he couldn't run the ball defense did their best it was just everything that panthers fans are worried about is happening and i I don't know what else to say yeah i don't like saying the season's over two games in but it does feel that way for the panthers because like when he's healthy cam is one of the most talented quarterbacks in football but you can also tell in all the wrong ways when he's not healthy, and it feels like that right now. Yeah, just a lot of missed opportunities. Oh, my God. I swear, if I hear, I've heard missed opportunities for the past nine years. It has been nine years of missed opportunities. If we can't figure out missed opportunities nine years in, it's time to move on from a head coach. I was going to say, do you think that they need to fire Rivera? I wanted him gone after the end of last season. And, like, nothing I've seen this season shows me that he should still be around. So, I don't know. That's my rant. I'm I'm very fr- – my bio now says disgruntled – I change keep pounding to disgruntled Panthers fan. <laughs> I like what David's is right now. Oh, I think it's just like, look, check my, his name is check my bio and his bio is fire on her beer. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think it's hilarious. 
don't know. It sucks. Um, the Titans are on fire. Uh, yeah. More like a dumpster fire at the current moment. So try, so don't worry, Colby, that you're not the only one that's frustrated today um, over your team because so did the Titans start out. Well, today was supposed to be a big day. We are honoring Steve McNair and Eddie George by retiring their numbers. That's long overdue. And so they had some pyro to start the game, and some of it fell, and it caused a big fire. <laughs> and it made lots of memes. So that's – and it was just uh, – just almost like a symbol of how the game was going to be because our offense was absolutely horrible. There, there's, there's no way around it. Um, Marcus looked like past year's Marcus Mariota again, which has frustrated a lot of the fan base. Again, from the beginning of the season, there's been a lot of talk of, is this going to be the end of Marcus Mariota's tenure with us? And so, it almost, I hate that it feels so wishy-washy because this it was this time last week that I was praising Mario, and I'm like, good, this is our quarterback, blah, blah, blah. But then coming out like this week, he was put in some very bad situations. There was a lot of bad management game-wise going into the fourth quarter, and there was just a lot of failures on the staff, a lot of failures on the offense. But we're at a point now where you you can't make those mistakes. It's like nine years of missed opportunities – Eventually, you're being like, okay, we're going to have to go in another direction because missed opportunities is not acceptable anymore. And we're start. A lot of fans are starting to get that way. At the very least, they are just very disheartened at this point. Um, and again, it's the most frustrating thing is that we're losing to a division rival that just has our number. There's that's just how it is. Um, the Startling stat is that the Colts have beat us the last uh, 14 of 16 meetings. They actually had a streak of about 11 from about 2011 to 2016, which was one of the longest NFL records for a single team streak against another. So we're like on the tier of Miami and the Patriots and that the Colts just absolutely have our number. And it's extremely frustrating being a division opponent. Oh, we'll get to the fish tank. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but that's really frustrating. Uh, the Browns play tomorrow? Yeah, we play Monday night. Uh, so tonight, as most of y'all are hearing this, um, and Darnold for the Jets is going to be out for the tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I, it's, it's not funny, but it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, any grown-up having, like, anyone past... 17 having mono was funny. I feel like early in college, it's still like it's funny, but it's not like outrageous. I think the funny thing is, you just know what has to happen to, for you to get it. Yeah, for and an so, NFL player to get mono, it's unfortunate, but it's funny. Which I feel like if an NFL player has mono, it's because like he drank after somebody, like it's probably just something like innocuous like that. It's just, it's, it's kind of funny. But anyways, I'm, like, actually a little nervous for the game because now, especially with Darnold out, there's so much pressure on us to win this game. And if we lose, it's going to be like the Panthers as well. We're like, how do we recover? We're one team away from sad boy hours. (laughs) We'll see. But, okay, but here's the thing. Uh, I, the Saints are losing right now, and Drew Brees is hurt. Um, 
you hate to see injuries, but he's um, he can't like grip a football right now. Something's wrong with his thumb. If the Rams hold on to that game, again, as we're recording, I hope something drastic doesn't make this sound silly. And then the Falcons lose tonight. One, the Tampa is going to be on top of the NFC South. Two, we're one game behind in the NFC South. Which makes it all the more frustrating, which I wish we were just bad and there was no hope. Because now I'm going to hope and it's just going to be terrible. But we'll see. Uh, We will see. Let's talk about, is Josh Allen actually good? Because he had a really good game today. Granted, he was playing the Giants, but the Giants might just be bad. But Josh Allen, for, for two weeks through the season, is looking markedly better than he did last year. It's kind of at the point where you can't look much worse. So maybe it's just he's kind of where he needs to be. Fair. That, that, that might be fair. I just... I, I I am impressed with Josh Allen so far. Um, Lamar Jackson did not throw five touchdowns this week because he was not playing the Dolphins, but he did have a, another very good week this week, throwing for at least 200 yards and at least 100 yards on the ground, including touchdowns. He's playing really, really well. And... I don't know about y'all, but when I saw him in person in Chapel Hill my senior year, Aaron, your sophomore year, I had a feeling he was going to be very, very good. I mean, it was just his speed and athleticism that really kind of put him out. But but even in in that senior year campaign, it was still like, is he a good thrower? Is he just a running quarterback? He's pretty good. Running quarterbacks don't do good in the NFL, and then he should be a running back. He's putting up and a pretty good stat line this for a running back. I thought that interview response was so funny. I mean, you can, I guess, if I like really wanted to, I could go back to the podcast where we played Louisville to <laughs> see what we said about Lamar Jackson. But since that game, like, it's not like they ran him like the Panthers run Cam. Like, they don't – or used to run Cam, Rip. Did he just miss that extra point? Wow. Sorry, the Broncos and Bears are playing. And uh, the Broncos are going to go to two, but there is – go for two, but there is a penalty. And then they're going to kick the extra point. Missed the extra point, but now there's a flag. And the flag is offsides on the Bears. Yikes. Okay. So, that was my play-by-play for this football game that's happening. Anyway, like, Lamar Jackson was standing in the pocket at Louisville and, like, throwing dimes. And, I don't know, I've been I've been waiting for him to be unleashed. I would say I've always seen the potential in him, but I was never like, holy crap, he is the next football god. Like, I always tell people, like, when I was in high school and I saw Mitch Trubisky play against my high school, like, still to this day, I say that him in high school is the best football player I have ever and will ever see. Sometimes you see people like that. Like, when I saw Brandon Tate, who plays for the Bengals, when I saw him in high school, 
I was like, this is <laughs> this is the best wide receiver I've ever seen. It's not going to get any better than yeah, this. Exactly. And, like, even when you see him play in high school, like, you know. And I've gotten that feeling before about Mitch. I got it about seeing Marshawn Lattimore play in high school. I got it when Mitch was here. I, I thought that Lamar Jackson was really good, but I didn't get that feeling. But if you remember all of those um, videos that were circulating on Twitter of him in high school. The one, that juke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's been doing it for a while. But anyway, I want to talk about the fish tank. Uh, the Miami Dolphins are very bad. Uh, they are very bad on purpose. And I don't know, Aaron, you come from the land of the tank and it ended up halfway working. How do you feel about the fish tank, which has been effect, uh, in a few words, effective up to this point? I mean, so can you get me at the speed? The fish tank you're just saying is the dolphins tanking? Yes. I mean, it sucks. But I'm not going to call it that. I'm going to call it the <laughs> okay. fish tank. I mean, it sucks as a fan, but also, like, the seasons where we knew the Browns weren't going to do anything, and then they accidentally win six games and we don't get a top five pick, those years sucked. Because it just feels like a waste of a year. Mm-hmm. When, like, I always said, what's the point in winning games when it doesn't help you? I will say I do not think this Dolphins team is in danger of accidentally winning. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're, they're so bad. Like, it's, it's ridiculous how bad they are. Like, I think uh, either Bomani Jones or Pablo Torre on High Noon brought up the point saying, like, if I'm on this Dolphins team, I'm offended and I'm starting. I'm offended that they think I'm bad enough to, to play on this team. Like, it's, but then you have all of that, and also, like, people are getting hurt. Like, today, Josh Rosen had a very bad ankle injury uh, when he came into the game, which might end his season, which sucks, because I was very high on Josh Rosen when, uh, when he came into the league, and now he has a bad leg injury that he has to work through because he's on this terrible team that's probably not good enough to um, protect him properly. I feel like it's different in football and basketball because in football, like, the margin of error for injury is so high. But that's just me. But I, it works. Like it, it, but the, the thing is, it's too effective for teams not to do it. So. Yeah. Now you can tank for Tua. Tank for Tua. Or Jerry Judy, because. Anything else? Oh, wait. Yeah, there is something else I want to talk about. Uh, California uh, has a law. I don't think they've passed it all the way yet. Um, but to let student-athletes profit off of their own name. Uh, that has been in the news this week. And also, um, South Carolina Democrats have also introduced this bill 
um, to the um, to their state congress. Where do we go now? It which it looks like this California bill is going to be passed, and uh, soon athletes will be able to start doing this in 2023. So if this happens, the NCAA will have time to figure something out if they want to figure something out on this uh, on this issue. Well, it'd be sort of thing with that where it's only California schools that would be able to offer it. Yes. Well, the NCAA is at least in their most recent statement, they basically said no. So I think that it's basically going to be Bill or NCAA as it stands at this moment in time. From what I've seen, these teams would not be allowed to um, play in the NCAA or like they w- none of their games would count towards NCAA wins. It's what we're getting to in um, in California. I mean, I feel like if it passes in California and like some other states start doing it, like they can have their own league. Yeah. <laughs> Just make say, the big baller league. Yeah, just say screw the NCAA, and um, and just do whatever they want. So, is the NCAA subject to antitrust laws? Because I know that the professional sports leagues are all exempt, but if the NCAA is not exempt, then it would probably be an interesting Supreme Court lawsuit. I was about to say that it's going to be something the Supreme Court has to handle if that happens. But, I mean, w- when you look at this law in particular, I've seen a lot of people bring up the point that this is, like, kind of LeBron James uh, activism, where this very much helps the very best players and doesn't really do anything for the tennis is a bad example because tennis players, the Olympic sports, uh, the non basketball, football, Olympic sports, a field hockey, like a field hockey player. Yeah. So like, I don't know. What do you see? What do you think about like that aspect of it? Maverick? So, I mean, I guess ultimately it does come down to ultimately it is a revenue sort of thing. And so, Perhaps that might be a compromise that they might have to make is that if they're going to bring in something like this, it is just going to be on, you know, what your sport produces. Because you look at schools now where football and basketball for majority of schools are the main revenue and it trickles down then to the other Olympic sports for them to do their own equipment. So does that and not sure if that would change in with this new dynamic. I don't know. I, I The only way I see that like that aspect of it changing because it's not going to like the NFL isn't doing or not the NFL. Sorry. I'm watching football in the background. (laughs) The, um, the schools aren't doing anything. They're just going to let their players get the money. They, they want to get as far as I know. I feel like if the schools themselves start paying the players, then maybe we'll see that. And I think this is a step in the right direction, getting, to that point but I, I 
I would like to see how this plays out as far as the the softball players at these schools. I don't think that having schools directly pay players, the more that I've learned about it is realistic because that has very, very complicated Title IX implications. But if you let players profit off their own likeness, that is... I don't think that would have Title IX relations because that's not related to the school's treatment of the athletes. Um, Unless... I'm not an expert on Title IX law, so it might be complicated with, like, boosters, like if the Rams club was paying Sam Howell but not paying a softball player. But I can tell you for pretty certain that schools directly paying players would have pretty significant Title IX implications. I mean, yes, but, like, all of this is an equity issue in the first place. So... I don't know. I I see what you're saying, but I don't think it's something that's, like, not workable. But I also think it's, like, worth examining. Is it is it worth it to keep this system around if this is... If it's going to have to be... If, if we... If the schools aren't able to pay the players for whatever myriad of reasons... I mean, like football down to like the crew team like is it worth it having this system around if it's not just is something i've been thinking about if we're gonna get deep and i don't know i mean i of course i love college football and basketball we talked about college football for a good 30 minutes on this podcast (laughs) but i don't know it's something i've been thinking about for myself yeah i mean it's a complicated issue I think that I obviously don't agree with Tim Tebow on the issue, but I think that it's a lot more complex than just saying pay players, don't pay players. And the more that you read about it, the more complex it gets. Like, I feel like I know a lot more about the issue than I did two years ago when we probably talked about it the first time, and I still have the exact same lack of clarity on the issue. Any other closing thoughts before we get out of here? Because your boy is about to make a Wendy's run. <laughs> get some spicy nuggets. Want to bring me a four for four? I do not. But <laughs> if you want to find us, you can do that at tinyurl.com. So never made Barcy leave us five-star rating and a review on iTunes. Anything you liked or didn't like, be sure to let us know via Twitter at NeverMadePod. Thank you to Jake Cochran for the intro music and David Carter for the outro music. And we will see you next week.